Oh, hang on. I might need to connect. Uh, I forgot that I'm not on a headset right now. Just give me a sec, guys. Yeah. Yeah, don't flash your junk up on the screen again, dude. It's weird. <laughs> Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week three of 2024. I'm Chris Louie, and it's finally starting to feel like winter here in Northern California. No sinkholes this year, though, so far, thankfully. With me, I have my co-host, The Hot Dad, who has no problem working out in 29-degree weather. Hey, you know, a body fitness, or what was it called? Body weight fitness challenge is a body weight fitness challenge. 29 or 129, I'm here to stay, boys. And for our international listeners, that's 29 degrees Fahrenheit and freedom units, not Celsius. What is that? It's Always freedom. You guys did the math. Is that like minus twenty or something like that? No, it's like yeah. minus two. Minus, minus two. Yeah, minus two or three. Te tempo hace frío. And we have Glenn Medina, or should we call him COVID positive? Unbelievable! I lasted four years without getting it, and I'll tell you why I think I got COVID. Because we started dry January, and I normally have vodka on ice, which normally uh, yeah, cleanses that's the palate. True. And no, because we it, did that, it kills the germs. It kills yeah, the germs. The, the vodka germs. kills the germs. Yeah, I'm telling you, I think that's why I got COVID for sure this time. Yeah, because vodka goes in your lungs. Exactly. <laughs> no, clears. Mister Respiratory Disease. Yeah. This Airborne. is not better than the guy that caught COVID like five times. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I've only had it once that I know about. Yeah, because you don't test. So. Did you? Did you actually test? <laughs> yes, I tested, and, and, no, and I tested not. before. I did. Let's see. No, did you test this time? Now that you're claiming that you're COVID positive. Yeah, I did. I yeah, tested. that's how I found out. He said oh. he was feeling sick, and then he tested, and then he was confirmed positive. Then why are we going to call him? Like, perhaps we should call him COVID positive. Like, not, he is COVID not, positive now. Is he CPC? Yeah. No, CPG. COVID positive, Glenn. <laughs> I didn't test because I felt bad. I tested because I had, I had um, what do you call that, symptoms, right? And I was coughing, achy body, not feeling, um, I couldn't breathe, and a fever. And that must sound like the NyQuil ad, the nighttime achy sleepy. Nighttime sleeping, achy, headache, yeah. diarrhea. Get you out of bed the medicine. Yeah. yeah. All right, COVID conspiracy theorists, let's go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> CP Glenn. We need new nicknames for 2024 anyway, so he'll be CP Glenn for 2024. CPG. Right. It's even cooler. I wouldn't recommend CPG. it. CP stands for a lot of other stuff on the internet. <laughs> that's, that's the joke, Kush. That's mm. the joke. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks you got it. a lot. Kush got it. <laughs> All right, CP Glenn. <laughs> that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the last one standing on the show who has not caught it. Yes! I am invincible! I am knocking on wood right now to hope that i don't catch it would you take the test though if you did have the symptoms i always test yeah i always test when when the kids have it and when i'm not feeling well we always test chris has so many covid home tests they're like pregnancy tests for like college dorms right and he's got so many of them just laying around they're about to expire so he just out of boredom he's just penetrating his nose just checking daily to see if he has it or not yeah it's supposed to go up your nose brian you you don't swab your butt, Chris. You swab your nose, and that's why you've been coming out negative. So. This week, we have our guest, friend of the show, Kush. Welcome back, Kush. Thanks, Kush. Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about following that one, but 
I'll take what I get. <laughs> I think we had you on probably in the, it was definitely in the double digits. So has, has anything changed since you were last on the show, Kush? Uh, not too much. We've been doing a little bit more at work, uh, broadened scope, but otherwise it's about the same. Move to Amsterdam. That was a big uh, change. That's a big change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nothing much changed. Oh, oh, by the way, we moved to Amsterdam. Yeah, it's been Just a while. Just moved to a different forget, country. This is the new normal. Where you every drug is legal. Get yeah. out of here. It's Where were you before? Over, yeah. California? California. Uh, no, the red light district. Oh, India. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah, been, it's, it's been over a year, so I, I sort of forget that, you know, yeah. that this is a change now. Now it's a new normal. Yeah. yeah. No, Kush had told me light. that... Uh, I'll go ahead, Glenn. Any red lights by where you live? Yeah, red light <laughs> no, history. <laughs> Pretty far away from there. <laughs> yeah, but I've got to say, you know, like the Dutch folks, like they're extremely nice. Yeah. In fact, I was having a chat uh, after I got here with one of my colleagues. And they were just asking me, it was like my second week here. And they were like, how are you liking the Netherlands? And I was like, it's good, except that people here are suspiciously sweet, right? People are so sweet that you wonder, like, what do you want from me? Like, is, do you have an agenda? <laughs> so just tell me what you want, right? Yeah, you've been, you've been hardened by all those, those years spent in India. <laughs> I don't know. I would say I've been hardened by, too. you know, all, all the time I spent in California. Same thing. Snowflake. <laughs> yeah, but it's so it, great. is India pretty rough? Or are people like not as kind over there? It kind of depends on the day someone's having, but in general, Indian people are pretty friendly. Oh, especially okay. if you're visiting, right? If like if one of you guys show up, then yeah, you're gonna have like people swarming you, just asking you like how they can help. You know, I w- I would say I would probably agree with that. What's funny is there's there's one dude at Zscaler, and he's he's so like on paper like he's nice and then we became friends and he's the biggest crap talker now <laughs> and he's from india <laughs> he's just like i get like a, a random uh like new year's eve text he's like don't forget who's daddy i'm like what why would you send that to me man <laughs> that sounds about right yeah oh. like the average indian can be extremely friendly but once you know once you get to know someone yeah then they're like okay i i don't have to be extra sweet to you anymore yeah. right you, now, now you I think it's the real unleashed it's the fourth so, dimension of a friendship, right? Just insults. Yeah, but then that's how you know your relationship's gotten better, right? Now you're like, okay, now we're real friends. That That's solid. It doesn't work with your wife. When you start calling her names, she doesn't literally <laughs> latch on to that as much as you would think. So a little pro tip for you, man. Hang on, taking notes. Taking notes. <laughs> you heard it here on the PepCac. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week, we're going to talk about the fake lockdown mode on iPhones, a security vendor gets breached again, Apple thwarting iPhone thefts, and close with Stuxnet talk. Mm. For our first topic, this one was reported before the break and it relates to a story we covered in a previous podcast, we talked about iPhone malware that mimics a shutdown screen animation to make a user think that they powered off their phone to destroy any memory resident malware. Well, there's new research out of Jamf that says there is a new exploit on iPhones that fools users into believing that their hacked iPhone mode iPhone <laughs> is in lockdown mode. 
So typically when a phone is in lockdown mode, it has a little banner at the bottom that says your iPhone is in lockdown mode. And this malware tricks users by putting that banner there when their phone is actually not in lockdown mode, giving them a false sense of security. So that's just one of the things that Apple will now have to combat to make sure that there's no fake lockdown mode screens to allow users to think that they're actually in lockdown mode. And if you remember, lockdown mode is the mode that Apple uh, offers for Macs, iPads, and iPhones, where it turns off many of the common features that are abused by mercenary-grade spyware like NSO Group's Pegasus. So that would be perfect to allow a target to think that they're protected when they're actually not. So you know what's funny about this is I actually have a conspiracy theory. So this is pretty bad. I think we all can agree. So what did Apple do? They decided to blow out the rear door of an Alaska Airlines flight, have one of their phones <laughs> fall 16,000 feet to the ground and still work. They changed the narrative, I folks. Think it was two phones. It's a conspiracy. Two iPhones. Yeah. So now we know. Like that's that's the one story I actually saw. I didn't see this one. So that should tell you. Maybe Why is the FBI knocking at my door? Make, you know that that uh, whoever's phone fell down, they didn't lock their phone down well enough. That's why it flew out no, the door. Someone was able to turn it on. You mean when it landed? No, it was just a dad joke about how the phone was not actually physically locked down. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I'll tell you what, I guarantee you that phone wasn't a teenage girls because they will not let that thing get pride from their hands, period. <laughs> they would have jumped out of that open. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> For real. Yeah, but you know, uh, this exploit actually, it's um, maybe it's a testament to lockdown mode, right? If, if attackers want you to believe it's on, that tells you it's probably effective. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I know Apple has offered really high rewards if anyone can breach lockdown mode for their bug ban. I think it's $2 million if you can What are we doing on this their, pep cap? Oh, come mode. on, guys. We should be trying to figure that thing out. Huh? Well, that $2 million bucks, yeah, I Glenn? I could use $2 million. I could use half a million. You want that $2 million bucks? be four ways, guys. <laughs> One, two, three, four. There's four of us. We look at this. We can spend our time doing that. Yeah. Your idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think the idea alone yeah. should net you half a million. Obviously, you guys give me half a million just because I'm here. Wouldn't it be cool if we could just stuff. farm this out to Craigslist? <laughs> I need Develop someone to figure out lockdown mode, how to hack it, send it somewhere, have them figure it out, and then take credit for it. Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, that's essentially yeah. like bug crowd and hackeroni. Pay someone those those companies do that. Manage bug bounty. I have my son using his first decompiler on some iOS stuff because he wants to reverse engineer a game that's no longer under development so he can put it back into like tournament mode or something like that. I have no idea. I'm like, yeah, I just would have given up. I don't think I have that aptitude, but it's good to see that you are. And I think that's exactly what's going on with, with iOS. People are like, they're freaking savages, man. Like anytime I hear that iOS has been zero day or backdoor something like that, I'm always kind of blown away. So much effort goes into locking that thing down and making it secure that there's just, it's there's software, just things though, that are right? always At the there. End of the day, it's software. If 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 you... At the end of the day, yep, it's software. Well, yeah. for Apple, it's software if and you look hardware. At the list they own their of full stack. Probably, you know, vulnerabilities between Android and Apple. I'd like to say the list is probably shorter on the Apple side than they are on Android. Right. Oh, definitely. 
It has been for a while, but recently it's been uh, much harder to get into pixels, like for the past at least year and change. Um, the yeah. pixels have developed I, a pretty good reputation too. The rest of Android it's the same idea, I think, because Google owns the hardware and the software, so exactly. they have way better control over it. And when we had Sam Curry on, I think he he also mentioned that for a very long time, what Glenn said was true that the list of iOS exploits was shorter. But more recently, iOS has been catching up to Android, or the number of Android has been going down. Android uh, iPhone, but I've also got an old Android, which I don't use anymore for exactly this reason. Uh, burner <laughs> phone in Amsterdam. Makes sense. <laughs> what could possibly be used for? <laughs> no comment. No, he bought a new iPhone to bridge it so he can get blue messages on his old Android. His, his Android, yeah. Yeah, exactly. but you know what, Brian? This sort of uh, closest loop back to the teenage thing you were mentioning, right? There's nothing like a motivated teenager that helps you find, uh, that helps you fix a problem. The blue bubble thing was also something that it was actually based on a weakness that some 16-year-old found because he wanted blue bubbles on his Android phone and he put it up on GitHub. And the next thing you know, wow. Beeper's building something on top of that. Actually, yeah, no same thing with like that, a motivated teenager. That's that's exactly how Log4J came out. One of the top exploited vulnerabilities by the Chinese PLA was a bunch of teenagers griefing each other on Minecraft. On servers. Minecraft, yeah, yeah. Never underestimate the power of those teenagers to break things and grief people. But shoot, the uh, Minecraft's got so many users, man. It makes sense. Wasn't there? We have like a the... billion people use Minecraft. Probably. So it's up to a billion? There's yeah, a lot of people on Minecraft. I'm not, it's not as popular as it was before, I'm, I, at least from what I've, I'm hearing, but maybe. Whatever, maybe we know that you're already playing. Oh, it's only got, <laughs> it has 140 million active players. Okay, I lied. That's a fraction. <laughs> yeah. Well, stay safe out there if your phone's in lockdown mode. There's got to be a way to check if it's actually really in lockdown mode or not. But just just because it says it's in lockdown mode, don't don't believe it. Just like just because your phone shuts down may not actually be shutting down. You know, we should have like a an app. Do you guys remember the app from Gibson Research Company called Shields Up? Oh yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. Shields okay. Up's back. Yeah, check to see if you have like UM, U, UPMP Open enabled ports. and. A, yeah. yeah, we should have something on chrislu.net that will check to see oh. if your iPhone's breached or not, or at least not in lockdown. Mode. That'd be pretty cool. It's owned. Yeah. yeah. You know, have considering how much Apple locks down the OS, if if Chris's tool is actually able to tell, uh, is actually able to get access to the right resources to check that, that tells you you're not. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the check. If the tool works, then yeah. then you failed. All right, for our second topic on Christmas Eve, Barracuda, the email security gateway company, delivered their own Christmas surprise. China-linked UNC4841 group, their APT group, has identified a new zero-day vulnerability affecting these ESG appliances. One of the vulnerabilities was triggered by sending a maliciously crafted Excel spreadsheet. When the email security gateway product scanned the file attachment, it allowed for remote code execution on the device. They patched one of the bugs, but not the other, and referred customers to the CVE write-up for mitigations. Now, if you remember from our podcast last year, Barracuda was the security vendor that got owned, and they said the only way to fix it is to throw your device in a bin and we'll send you a new one. 
And even after they patched the devices, they were still vulnerable and they just couldn't figure out how these guys kept getting back in. And then surprise, surprise, these Chinese state-backed actors found yet another way to get into these appliances. So that really begs the question, should you start looking for a new email security gateway vendor? Well, I think more importantly, should Barracuda replace security (laughs) or just take the security out of their gateway entirely? Um, it's called an, an EG appliance because I, I don't know. <laughs> an email gateway. They still fly banners over anymore. beaches <laughs> across the U.S. on planes. You remember that? Those days? Yeah, I remember walking through the airport and being able, seeing their ads everywhere. I don't see that much anymore. I think after they no longer were, they were no longer a public company and they got bought by the PE firm, mm-hmm. I think they slashed their marketing budget. Imagine going back to like your 20-year high school reunion and you're like, yeah... Like, what do you do for a living? Uh, unfortunately, I'm addicted to meth. And what about you? I've been in prison for 20 years. And what about you? Uh, I work for Barracuda, and everyone's like, oh, man. Jeez, yeah, rough life, brother. Rough life. Rough life. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Stupid. But it's a hard problem to solve, right? Where, like, anytime you're, I don't know, anytime you're reading anything, how do you ensure that the code that's reading stuff doesn't have weaknesses of its own? Yeah, it's an interpreter. That's that's the hardest thing. Exactly. Like I remember maybe two years ago, Windows Defender, you know, that's also an yeah. interpreter. It has to scan every file. And if you sent a maliciously crafted file <clears throat> and landed on the device, you didn't even have to run it. But as long as Windows Defender picked it up, then it would have, I forgot what it did. It killed the process or crashed it or something. Yeah, even uh, we were discussing lockdown mode a minute ago. Even lockdown mode exists uh, partially for the same reason because one of the things it does is it disables the the parts of the modules that read links and other messaging data in the background, because that was one way Pegasus constantly got in. There was a similar vulnerability on stage fr- uh, called Stage Fright on Android. Again, attacked the messaging interpreter. As long as you're interpreting something, I don't have to find a weakness in the OS. I find a weakness in the interpreter. Stage Fright's a good exploit name. I'll tell you what. We've all had it. Stage, <laughs> stage fright actually yeah. i don't think it was the exploit i think it was actually the subsystem if i remember correctly oh yeah i remember funny. that one that's yeah, they, they actually showed that in mr robot i remember there was <laughs> someone in mr robot said hey go to this website and fill out a survey and then when, when they hit the website it it caused a stage fright exploit on their their android device and they owned them yeah but you are tempting fate if you if you name a subsystem of your stage fright if the name sounds like an exploit you're probably just tempting fate yeah yeah interpreters are notoriously difficult to get right and there's a lot that can go wrong but bad luck for barracuda they just keep getting owned on on these devices yeah so that's all the afghan interpreters that we used poor bastards (laughs) (laughs) did you watch that one well a jake gyllenhaal movie yeah the covenant what it's called covenant yeah yeah that was a good one if that's true, man, we, we left a whole lot of people out there hanging. To that is true, yeah. On the, a false the, promise, the, and that's hard. The message in the credits at the end, yeah, yeah, that is true. Unfortunately, so not not this country's to... brightest moment. No, no. So I had a question. You said that these are China-backed or China government-backed actors. Like, I don't think Chinese government has anyone's back. So isn't this more like Chinese forced slave labor? of hacking into stuff like I don't, I, uh, you like, know six in one hand half a dozen on the other okay <laughs> maybe it's like the russia kind of thing right where you don't have to actively back them you just 
as long as you don't prosecute them, that's kind of about as much uh, as helpful as backing them. Yeah, it's, it's it's like your day job is you hack for the government. Your night job is you do financially motivated crime and the government just looks the other way. Yeah, pretty much. All right. On that note, for our third topic, another iPhone story. This one also came out before the break. Apple is releasing a stolen device protection to thwart iPhone thieves with a passcode time delay. This is a feature that was added because people were getting their iPhone stolen and somehow the thieves were getting their passcode either through coercion or shoulder surfing or through other means. And if they had the passcode, they had the keys to the kingdom. They could change the passcode. They can change the iCloud account. They can change pretty much anything on the, the device. And that, that locks out the owner from being able to report the device stolen or to be able to, to track the device. Well, Apple implements this a new feature called stolen device protection, and that implements a 24-hour delay before when you request a passcode get changed to when the passcode actually changes. And that's typically more than enough time for a victim to be able to report the device stolen, log into the iCloud account, lock it down, wipe the device, and that should, in theory, thwart the the thief from being able to reset the iCloud account or, or wipe the, or um, reset the device for sale. To not inconvenient users and not make them wait 24 hours to change their PIN or their passcode when they actually want it changed immediately, they're implementing trusted zones as well. So if you change the passcode at home or at work somewhere where you spend lots of time, then that 24 hour delay does not apply. I think, again, this goes back to a teenage girl. I think it'd be more like 24 seconds before they realize their phone's gone. Even in the middle of the night, my daughter would wake up in cold sweat running around the house and looking for it. If I took it out of <laughs> Well, my daughter, um, you're going to love this one. My daughter was grocery shopping, lost her phone, had to use the someone's phone at Safeway to give me a call. I tracked it down and went up to the lady and said, hey, you need to give her a phone back. She goes, no, I don't have it. And I pinged it. And uh, two things that I that came from this, right? Do you guys remember the the sequence or the the podcast where you can disable command center um, or c control center or command center from being swiped down and turning off? Um, I had yeah. to do that before, and that was the only thing that yeah. saved us from this homeless person taking their phone. That that and the fact that I told them I was nice. going to beat the crap out of them if they didn't freaking give me my phone back, so. Threats of physical yeah. violence. But always, that was nice enough. I gave him twenty bucks afterwards, and I'm like, "Hey, thanks for being <laughs> honest, even though you weren't." Uh, but yeah, so my my daughter yeah, once lost her AirPods, and we did the whole like find my devices. We ended up finding it some street, and it was there. It wasn't moving. So I was like, "I'm just gonna go over there." Like she lost it at school, so I was go over there and pull up and, and ask him for it, and. uh yeah, it's it's definitely the part of town that I didn't expect to be in at that particular moment. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, lots of broken down vehicles in the front yard, you know, chained up dog. And I knock on the door and I knock on the door. I can hear people talking, but they're not doing it. And so then I go to the side and I and like knock on the window and I scare the crap out of the lady doing her laundry. And then she's doesn't speak any English, so uh just looking at me puzzled, so <clears throat> doing my thing and next thing you know, the husband comes out, and I can only describe him as being frustrated 
with running out of uh like flesh to tattoo right like he had it everywhere <laughs> like like you can tell Good some of them choices like yeah. was his choice and some of them maybe he was <laughs> held down for i don't know but uh so then i'm like all right well now i gotta accuse this kid of stealing my my daughter's airpods i was like hey man you know think that maybe your son or daughter i knew it was a son maybe he picked up something that wasn't his my my, my phone's telling me that it's here and he's just like he's like I, I'm not going to try to in, uh, imitate exactly how he sounds, but he's like, basically, he's like, okay, well, I'll let you know because I give him my phone number. And then about 30 minutes later, he calls me. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're, he's, my son has them. Do you want me to give it to him at school or do you want to pick it up? It was like a Friday. He's like, oh, we'll just come pick it up. So it ended up working out, but it was one of those sketchy moments. Like, I remember pulling up to the house and everybody that was with me was like, don't. So don't, did, don't he steal, do did he steal it? <laughs> it's, not no it. it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just buy a new one. <laughs> He he told my daughter on Monday that he had seen them on the on the table and he just took them. But she's like, "But they were in my yeah. backpack, so I don't know how you saw them on the table." But mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet he, he did found them. <laughs> you don't quotes. have that problem, Amsterdam. Yeah. Good Samaritan, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not yet. I've only been Not here. Yet. We'll find out. No, but it's it's usually uh, this is kind of. It's kind of going to be a problem with everything, right? Anything you can leave behind. Like, we only notice now, we only notice it so much because we're carrying, like, electronics around. But back in the day, this happened with, like, wallets and other other valuables, right? Identity, Anything portable. Yeah. And if yeah. you have Find My turned on, they're actually pretty good. Like, after after I move, because I, I have the setting in Find My that says, don't alert me when I leave something behind at home. But after I moved, I didn't update my address. And every time I leave my house, now sure enough, it says, oh, you left your laptop behind. Oh, you left your AirPods behind. No, you left your this behind. So it can tell you that. And in theory, I guess if somebody walks away with it, it, it should tell you that too, that it's like this thing is no longer in range. But how far yeah, do you normally get? Like I'm like six miles from the house before I'm like, oh, you forgot your wallet, idiot. I'm like, Damn it. It's... uh. I don't know what the geofence is, but the location it always alerts me on is a half mile from my house. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's it's based on distance. Uh, I think it's just pinging every so often. So, you know, if it happened to ping like 30 seconds before you left it behind, then the next time it pings might be minutes later. And you were Kudos to them. I, I like right the now. fact that I have I have those features now, right, and those capabilities. My wife said it's making me dumber. And uh, I don't know. Do you, yeah. Well, that's true. D- depending on all this technology, <laughs> what a time right? to be alive, like, right? You depend on that instead of just saying, "Hey, phone, wallet, keys, where are they?" When you leave the house, right? You sh- they should always be with you. Yeah. But the reason they've had to do this in the first place is because they tied every. They essentially had your um, your biometrics and your passcode as a backup override, uh, sort of become superior to even your account password, right? If you forget your account password. You can use your passcode or even just biometrics to work around that. And that's the reason this whole thing comes up. But that's uh, what they say. Like the you can have the strongest authentication method, like you use pass keys, you do you whatever. The, the the weakest link is always the reset function. There's always gotta be exactly. some way to reset. Somebody gets locked out and then you either brick the device or you have to have some kind of backdoor to to reset the password. Yeah. Plus with biometrics, you know, even if you do have biometrics and let's say you've got really secure biometrics and pass keys and those are the only factors you've got. The one thing about biometrics is you don't have the choice to not unlock. 
right? Yeah, someone can cut off your finger or cut off your face. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think I remember reading a research paper when like they first added Touch ID that said like for some reason this wouldn't work uh, with a cut off finger because it requires like active blood supply in, like a pulse or something. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You imagine it's like. It, Gives the point of taking your blood pressure. You're just sitting there with a cuff on your arm. That's <laughs> like, oh, this biometric stuff is nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that or the the face ID. You can't use a picture. It has to be alive and light, or it has to be a 3D. And then you have the, the eyes the eyes open or the eyes closed feature as well. So someone can't unlock it when you're asleep. Yeah, um, at CES this week, there, there was some, I forget who it was. I think Schlage or one of these guys. They had this... Uh, this front door lock, smart door lock that unlocks with biometrics. And I was like, seriously, your front door. And you don't have a choice to not say, uh, to say, I'm not going to unlock this. Like, yeah, somebody could just like hold your thumb down. Yeah. How do you guys yeah, feel about your he, cars? Like, oh, go ahead, Chris. I, I was going to say the, the other fun thing is to go on the lock picking lawyer and then see how he oh, defeats yeah. like these biometric locks and everything. It's, it's always a side channel attack. It's never, like he never MacGyvers, he never gets like graphite and blows it on and tries to mimic the fingerprint. No, it's always something stupid. Like you put a, a magnet <laughs> next to it and then it unlocks. That's funny. Isn't there an XKCD like... for that? There was that Kush. There's an XKCD for that, I think, where they were like, this guy goes like, oh, I've got like 2048 bit encryption and you know this and that. And the guy goes like, yeah, but I got a $5 range. Yeah, I'll just beat them until <laughs> the they get The other one was, uh, you know, like you have all these cars, right, that have these locks, and you just bump them with a tennis ball with a with a drilled hole in it. That was pretty easy. That was pretty snazzy. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are the, those are the late '90s Camrys. Yeah. That's why they were stolen so high, much. High dollar for the Kia boys. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the like the newer cars make it make you a little bit dumber, right? Like, I, if you have like an EV, for instance. You can't walk away without the vehicle locking, and then even then, like you can park on that suspect, suspect suspect street. But the only thing you do is steal something from the inside. They can't really steal the car, even if they did. Like you, you know where it's at at all times. Yeah, yeah. Then the pin yeah. to drive and things like that. But yeah, well, won't stop someone from breaking the window. I do like the new feature. Yeah. Unless you're Mark Rober, I do like the new feature for the Toyotas where they install the app. Um, and it gets, you you can install the, the Toyota app on your phone. No, no, no. What? T- Toyota? Toyota? What'd you say? Hyundai. Toyota. Toyota. Did I say it Toyota? wrong? Toyota? You want me to say Yoda? Toyota. I think you're saying... I don't even know what the hell yeah, you're saying, Toyota. but I think you're trying to say Anyways, Toyota. So the kid got a new car and I uh, have the app. <laughs> and I could tell how fast she's going, how hard she's braking, turn by turn, destination by destination. I'm like... This is way better than anything you could ever buy, right? So it's like, damn, this is pretty cool. Yeah, Brian service. had that service yeah. on his car. Yeah. Like you could plug it in the OBD yeah. port. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't plugged in. Or it didn't come with the car to put it in there. It was like 75 bucks yeah. a month. But very good for coaching the kids, you know, <laughs> and threatening them. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you like it only because you're on the other side of the equation. I'm sure 16 year old Brian and Glenn yeah, are not no. going to love this feature. I would find some way to defeat it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. 16 year old went around that corner. How fast? I don't know. 16 year old Brian would have jumped his car within yeah. the first five hours of having it and yeah. then totaling it. 13 year old Glenn <laughs> figured out how to bypass the, alarm, the home Six... alarm system. So that that tells you about me. <laughs> 
Well, you guys are rich. We had a dog. You had an alarm system. Sixteen-year-old Keelan learned how to jump his car on a pole out of Jack in the Box. Yeah, this started his stripping career. <laughs> pole dancing cars. All right, for our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about the Dutch engineer that got Stuxnet into the Iran nuclear program. This story has been making its rounds, and there are some conflicting accounts whether or not this is actually true. But the story is, if you remember back, was it 09 or so? The Iran's nuclear program was in full swing. The U.S. was looking for ways to stop it. I think it actually started under George W. Bush and continued under Barack Obama. And they found this malware. Allegedly, it cost $1 to $2 billion to make, used four zero-day exploits, which was a lot back in 2009. And there was no way to get it into this nuclear facility because it was completely air-gapped. Well, they found a way to get it in. I think it spread through USB a little bit later, but allegedly the first way they got Stuxnet into the Natanz nuclear facility was the Dutch intelligence agency approached a Dutch engineer who worked on these water pumps. I think they were Siemens water pumps. Asked him to infect the device or bring an infected device inside the nuclear facility. And then the rest is history. The Hintan's facility experienced uh, higher than expected destruction of their centrifuges. Allegedly, it set their nuclear program back a few years, and it's now in full swing again. But it at least disrupted them enough to where it it slowed them down. The Dutch engineer was named, and he's been outed. But the reason that they can out him now is that allegedly he died two weeks after he did the infection in a tragic motorcycle accident i got clinton and there's (laughs) (laughs) the official report says there's no foul play but it it kind of makes you suspect suspicious of the timeline even though this guy did a good thing and tried to to help his country and help the world by not allowing iran to gain nuclear weapon capabilities so my question to the the group here is if you were approached by an intelligence agency to try and do something good for your country, would you have done it? If you were that Dutch engineer and they said, bring this water pump inside this nuclear facility and you'll disrupt Iran's nuclear program, would you have done it? I just moved to Amsterdam recently. Is that why this has come up? Is that why you selected this story, Chris? <laughs> I, I think so. I feel yeah. singled out. <laughs> I I heard, I heard the story. I'm like, oh, now that yeah, now that Kush is on, he's he's he moved to Amsterdam. This actually would be a nice dovetail into that. Uh, yeah, but seriously though, it's um, I can see pretty much anybody who shares the goals, right? As as long as they feel that uh, look, I agree with the objective. Or often, if you're in intelligence work, you don't even know what the objective is, right? You're just given a task. You have no idea yeah. what it's accomplishing. Yeah, they just said, bring this pump in and you're doing your country a favor. Yeah, <laughs> you and need to know. from what I understand, <laughs> um, I, I read somewhere that, um, I'm not sure whether this has been verified, but I, I read uh, a report that said the U.S. actually asked the Dutch for assistance and didn't even completely clue the Dutch in on why they were doing this. Yeah, it's just kind of a wink-wink, like, do this for us and you're doing the world a favor. Don't ask too many questions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like more is like a, it wasn't a volunteer, is a voluntold situation. Could have yeah. been. Yeah, the guy they recruited, he was actually the perfect asset because I think, I believe he was Dutch, but he was married to an Iranian woman, which gave yeah. him free reign to go in and out of the country. And he was a, a vendor 
for these products that go into these nuclear facilities. So he's like the perfect target for Dude, he was uh, for probably sweating bullets, man. They don't mess around. Like that's not like a stoning. That's probably like cut your testicles yeah, that's execution. off. You get really violent over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't want to be caught as a spy in inside Iran. They don't. They don't follow the Geneva Convention. No, they don't. That's a perfect way in, though, right? As a vendor, because like everybody screens their employees, does extensive background checks. Nobody checks the vendors, right? At least not ex- as extensively. Yeah, they usually rely on the the vendor to vet their. Employees. Oh no! Hold on! Hold on! No, that's not yeah. true. Now, what if this was like vendor a... companies <clears throat> have to go through extensive testing as well, and so does so do any of the the employees that work under that contract under that company. So they are there are policies and procedures for that sure but the, you're trusting the vendor to no they, be honest they, they have to buy by it or else they lose the contract right so i mean my understanding is because when i worked at another company and i everyone had to get a background check everyone had to be vetted if you weren't um and they they had hired let's say a criminal they were bound to that they could potentially lose a multi-million dollar contract so that's not that's not something that's not worth it typically. Yeah, I, I work for a company that I work for a company, and we did work for a very large tech company. And they said in order to hold this contract, you have to background check every single employee that touches our file. It. So I had to go through that, even though I had yeah. to go through a background check anyway to get the job. Yeah. I had to go through another one to satisfy this tech company. But even then, like they just do like criminal yeah. check, credit check, and things like yeah. that. Like there's no. It's it's not like getting top secret clearance where they interview your neighbors or anything. Like they would, they'd have no idea if I was working with a foreign intelligence that you, agency. You had nothing, right? That you at least passed a local background check, which is better than nothing. And you didn't have a criminal record to begin with. That's something, right? Which I think most yeah. of them are for, unless you're working yeah. for a DOD, not... which requires a level of clearance, which is different than at that point, right? Yeah, that's what the interview your neighbor is. You have to fill out the form of every yeah. extramarital affair you had and any anything, yeah, yeah. any other skeletons in your closet. I, mean, I know seven. It's a seven year for a regular clearance, and then it's twenty years or fourteen years for top secret. After that, and you have to carry the position that goes with it. So that's a uh, pretty lengthy. I don't want to go back that far. So is the timeline of events must have been? Um, I guess patient zero was. SanDisk gets a, a purchase order from the U.S. government for like a billion USB drives. Step two was we pollute the entire earth of these hopes that somebody from Iran will plug them in. But instead, all we're getting is literally every other country in the world access to it and then possibly exposing ourselves if anyone figures it out. And so then stage three was how about we contact this Dutch dude and see if he can do the, the heavy lift for us. Is that right? Uh, I think it's... you have it in the reverse order. I think yeah. they they didn't add USB spreading capability to Stuxnet until later. Well, well, why would they do it later if they already had C2? Well, the report is apparently... Um, th- there's this fantastic book. I forget what it's called. I think Countdown to Zero Day. Countdown um, to Zero Day, Kim Zetter. Yeah, yeah, a fantastic book. Um, apparently, what happened is that they were not satisfied with the rate of progress on this mission. So that's why they added uh, USB spreading capabilities to like, I don't know, version three or something of it so that the, it yeah, would spread I, a little faster, but that I comes with the risk of detection. 
Right. I think this guy only got access to one of the facilities. Natanz and Bashir. I think he got access to one, and they wanted both or all. So then they added more virulent ways of of spreading the malware through USB. Oh, okay, makes sense. I'll tell you yeah. what, though. Like we're lucky that not some really crappy person didn't find out about this and to start opening the floodgates to every dam in America. Like yeah, it had the right. capabilities before, <laughs> right? I mean, it was it was it was targeting that. But ultimately, it was targeting systems that are really common. So it was means PLCs, yeah. So it was the Siemens PLCs. programmable logic controls. But but Windows was, CE. it was hard. It was hard coded in the malware that says look for centrifuges in this specific array type, and then it, it, it they had it so it wouldn't accidentally blow something else up. It was very very targeted. Although yeah. something went wrong, it started crashing computers, and that's when people. I, I got to follow up with Kush. Kush said there was an exciting book about yeah. a hack, and it was like, oh, man, it's like a novel, is this fiction, nonfiction, but it sounds like it's like something that happened. It's real. It's a real story, right? And how exciting is that? Is it really that exciting? Yeah. It's it's nonfiction, but okay. it's still a good story. It, like, exciting yeah. that my kids What's would read or my wife it, would read, or is it something it just really just for nerds or for, for people in field? Uh, okay. No, it's probably for folks like us. Yeah. Technical. They'd have to be technical. It goes into like the history of like real world consequences of of computer malware. Yeah, what or maybe if you're called? into like intelligence and stuff like that, intelligence stories, that would probably be right up your alley too. What's the name of the book? May I ask for the countdown time? to zero day? Thank you. Countdown to zero. Kim Zetter. She she did the reporting on it. She she okay, actually let's broke the figure story, out who knows more about the book. Jesus, Dutch <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> I wrote the foreword. Anyways, okay. So so my concern would be like I, I'd be willing to help you know the the intelligence agency. My concern would be if you ever watched that show Alias that came out in the two thousands where Jennifer Garner thought she was working for the CIA but it was some kind of counterintelligence oh, agency right. like. They gave her the cover that, yes, you are working for the CIA, but all this time she was working against the CIA, and then she finds out, and then she switches sides. So that would be my only concern, is that I think I'm doing people a favor and my country a favor, but then it ends up being I'm helping the enemy that convinced me that I was actually working for the CIA. So one of the... I remember... I can't remember what show it was, but the CIA recruited some guy and says, I want you to walk me through the front doors of the headquarters in Langley, Virginia. That'll prove that you're actually with the CIA and not, not, not some counterintelligence agency. So it reminds me of uh, like, I, I guess if I was posed the same question, I'd immediately think of like Arlington road, right? Am I being played? Uh, yeah. I, don't want to, right. I don't want to go down as the terrorist. And then the other one too would be like, what if, what if it was like, Hey, we want you to go to Iraq and, uh, pretend that you saw weapons of mass destruction that way we can lead a war for 20 years you know what i mean like okay but like if you don't really know all this stuff i don't know that i could do it so now like maybe back then i would have been like hell yeah i got you like you know uh, america let me tattoo it on my forehead but nowadays i feel like I, I know a little bit better and i don't know like i don't i think if it's not in my characteristic to be that person i don't know that i would step up for the country anymore I think uh, Chris's test is good. Of course, it'll come down to like personal preferences. You know, like you said, Brian, if if you're skeptical about the goal itself, and would you really even know the goal, right? They just tell you like, hey, I need you to go gather information. They might not even tell you that there's malware on the device, right? They might just tell you like, hey, I need you to go do this job. Here's a drive that has all the tools you need. You go plug it in and it does its thing silently in the background. 
But yeah, Chris's approach, uh, Chris's test is good, I think. It's the same test that we give grandmas for banks, which is like, you know, go to the source and verify that it's actually the right person calling you. Yep. I'll call the CIA switchboard. Hey, do you know an Agent Smith? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I'm sorry, what was your Smith's name, sir? Name We're going to come visit you. <laughs> Starting Trace. <laughs> Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. This week, our guest Kush is up. Yeah, so I, I actually applied for a job um, to be a doorman, but I didn't get the job, which I kind of found surprising because I thought it was an entry-level position. And they said I didn't have enough experience. <laughs> uh, that's actually wah, better than wah. anything Glenn has ever put together. So good job. Uh, poor Glenn, not here to defend himself. Oh, he's gone. I didn't notice. All right, to wrap things up, new malware shows iPhones in lockdown mode when it's not. Throw your Barracuda email appliance into the trash bin. Apple continues to fight iPhone thefts. And the Dutch intelligence is not to be messed with. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you to all listeners and subscribers who raised five stars to the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcat Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina and our guest Kush, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. See you. Later, guys. And as Glenn would say, bye, Felicia. <laughs> <laughs>